Shalom, shalom. You're listening to Live Internet Studies. This is episode number 240. My name is Ariel Ben Lyman. Hanavi. Let's open with a word of prayer. Avinu, Malkinu, our Father, our King. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to a place where we can stop and slow down. Uh, slow down and stop, I should say, and begin to uh, ponder your words, your precious instructions that you left for us. Lord, with all that is taking place in our lives these days, we're so busy um, going about our daily activities and watching the news and um, uh, just doing whatever we feel we're, we need to do. We, we are so uh, guilty of not um, taking time out to to read and to study and to meditate and to memorize your words. And so um, for that, Lord, we ask for forgiveness, but we also ask that you would draw us into study, draw us into uh, that place where we're not just reading, but we are um, meditating on you, on your truths. We are um, worshiping you. It's, this can be a, an act of worship, an act of obedience, an act of, of fellowship and commune with you and with one another via the Holy Spirit. So we consider this a, a precious time, even though it's being played out uh, through the medium of the internet. So thank you for those who join me week after week via the Skype class or via the YouTube videos that get posted, the iTunes podcasts, uh, the uh, comments that flow in through the videos, the emails that are sent to me, the people that interact with me through the newsletter. Lord, what a blessing to be able to join with like-minded people around the world who are looking with anticipation for the second coming of our Lord Yeshua, waiting, knowing, um, but not hoping in something that might happen but might not. Rather, we have an assurance that it will happen because of what? Because of what your word says. Because you've already told us in advance, and like like you told the the, the apostles, the disciples, in in the Olivet discourse that we've been reading through, I'm telling you these things in advance so that you'll know, so that you'll be warned. So thank you for your promises, which we know with a with a perfect hope that they are sure they will happen. Um, thank you for the study and um, the opportunity to share my thoughts with the students. Um, help me to recollect the things that I, to recall the things that I studied this week and to speak with clarity and um, to speak effectively. And I'll be careful to give you the praise and glory of Bishim Yeshua. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining me, Ariel Ben Lyman Hanavi, for these live internet studies. Let's jump into the first segment, segment one of two segments. This is Eschatology, a Biblical Study of End Time Events. We are in topic nine, Yeshua's All of Discourse, part two. We've been going through Robert Ben Campen's book called The Sign, where we're doing a little bit of excursus work, where we're, we're looking through Matthew's recording of Yeshua's words about the 70th week of Daniel. So let me just jump through some uh, screens. Through the lens of what Yeshua gave us in Matthew, and how it parallels Revelation chapter 6, like you can see on my screen. We've already worked our way down through most of the points. If you look at the far right where you see the Revelation uh, address there, we've worked our way through, using Matthew's recording, through the first, through the fifth seals. And we're now kind of stopped and slowing down a little bit on the sixth seal, which shows up in Revelation 6, 12 through, 9, 12 through 17. The parallel is that these are the celestial disturbances that Matthew records in Matthew 24, starting in verse 29. 
So going back over to our uh, Matthew passage here, let me go up to the top first. Um, Yeshua is asked by his disciples, starting in verse 3, we pick up the reading, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Yeshua proceeds to give details about the end of, scenario the end of events which as we've already discussed it's very likely probable and would make perfect sense to have what is known as prophetic telescoping going on where the words that yeshua is giving is giving to his disciples were relevant and applicable to an immediate time period right on the horizon from yeshua's time frame what we might call a near term fulfillment a near aspect and this could correspond to 70 AD when Jerusalem was um, uh, began to become under attack the Romans the Roman armies attacked and the temple was the, was the first thing that significantly fell right was destroyed in 70 AD but it didn't end there it escalated until when we get to the 130s we have all of Jerusalem you know, burned, sacked, plowed under, and the mass expulsion of the Jewish people from Jerusalem under pains of death. So what started in the 70s kind of came to a, a fullness or a, a, a came to a head in the 130s, um, Bar Kokhba revolt and things like that. And then finally, Jerusalem just was, uh, a, in fact, it was even renamed by the Romans at that point in time. So when we look at Yeshua's words, we can we can instantly recognize that a lot of what he said had immediate application for the 70s, for this, you know 70 AD, and then maybe a little bit later on for the 130s, but most of it probably in 70. But the fascinating part about Yeshua's words is we we realize that when we're looking at this prophetic telescoping model, where we have a prophecy that is seen through the lens of of some chapter in the Bible that has a near and a far term application we begin to play with this idea of how much was fulfilled in the near how much will be fulfilled in the far was all of it fulfilled in the near and then all will be fulfilled again in the far what are the percentages we don't always have the exact numbers given you know we don't have that benefit we just have to read through pray meditate chew on it and believe that god is going to reveal what we need to know when the time is necessary for us to know so we live with a little bit of frustration of not understanding everything from a perfect 2020 perspective but we can know looking back now that the parts that were fulfilled in 70 and the parts that weren't fulfilled still leave the prophecy as um sure as reliable as trustworthy and we don't have to think well um, god something got left out how come this part didn't get fulfilled so let's just keep reading these prophecies and continuing to pray that the holy spirit will prepare us for the part that we need to know at the time at the, this time in our life um and be prepared with so thus yeshua's words i'm telling you these things in advance um so that you will be in the know, so that you won't be um, just completely clueless, and so that you can be prepared, so that you can do, carry on the work that I'm going to be having you to do. So I said all of that to say that, um, and we were talking about this earlier before the class started with the students that are in the Skype class right now. Um, the, uh, the, as we're reading through prophecy, don't get discouraged if if there are parts of prophecy that seem like, well, there's no way that could re- that that could happen again. Um, or um, 
None of that has happened yet. All of it's going to be in the future. Let's just uh, be um, patient with one another as we work through these and continue to pray that uh, God would would uh, continue to prepare us. Um, we at least have the bigger picture. Yeshua is, is returning one day. That's the bigger picture. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And I hope that you have the same uh, thoughts and the beliefs that Yeshua will return one day and that the events that are surrounding his return will um, uh, signal his return and they will give us the um, necessary preparation beforehand to have uh, our hearts and minds and our lives in order so that we can meet our great Lord and Savior, our King. But look at what Yeshua says here. There will be these signs that will precede my coming. I thought about that when we hear these teachings about, well, Yeshua could come back at any moment. Stop and ask yourself this kind of logical question. If it's true that Yeshua's return is imminent, that he could return at any moment, without, I mean, he could return before I finish this sentence, I've heard some preachers say. He could come before we get out of the service. What's the purpose of sending a sign if he could come at any moment? Doesn't that render the sign useless? It's kind of like the analogy of taking an open road trip, you know, like a highway trip, a vacation, where you're driving from city A to city B. You leave city A behind as you're traveling on this highway towards city B, which is some distance away. Say it's a couple hundred miles away from city A. Well, as you're driving along the highway, ideally, if you've ever taken a road trip, in a car particularly, then you know that as you're approaching city B, X amount of signs are posted that keep counting down the miles or kilometers, depending on where you are in the world. They're counting down the distance between where you're currently at and where your destination is, city B. You know, 100 miles till, um, Tex- till, till, till uh, Dallas, Texas. You know, and you keep driving because Texas is big, wide open swath. And you keep driving, and it's 50 miles to Dallas, and it's like 25 miles to Dallas, and it's like 10 miles to Dallas. And then, um, as you start getting closer and closer to City B, which in my little example is Dallas, um, you can probably start seeing the city lights on the horizon, because you're getting close enough. But you still st- you still keep seeing signs, even though the highway and the, and the lights, it kind of makes it obvious that I'm heading in the right direction, because it's not open desert anymore, or whatever, open, open highway. What's the point of my little analogy here? The point is that there's a definite reason why signs are posted outside of a city so that people who are traveling into the city can understand and get an idea of where they're going and how close they are to their destination. The signs indicate the proximity of whatever destination is in mind. Well, if Yeshua's return is that destination, it makes perfect sense that there would be signs preceding the coming. And yet, if we simply teach that his return is imminent without any signs, well, then why did he even give signs? It'd be like, again, going back to my analogy, you're, you start driving away from city A, wherever that is, and you're driving towards city B, which is hundreds of miles away, you, and you, you get off on your journey, you leave city A, it's behind you, it's far enough behind you that you can't see its city lights anymore, you're kind of now on the open road aspect, and then suddenly, city B shows up as you're driving with no previous warning that there was uh, any distance to travel anymore, that the city is getting closer, you don't see any city lights, nothing, just you're driving and then suddenly, supernaturally, City B appears before you and you're like, wow, 
That's that was kind of sudden. Well, that's almost like the way people say, well, Yeshua could come back at any moment before he finished the sentence. Well, then why did he even give us signs? So let's talk about these signs. We're going to finish this tonight, I believe. The disciples ask us, tell us when would these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming in of the end of the age? And as we get down to verse 29, as I've been entertaining, just like Robert Ben Campen has, I believe that there are two signs. Let me read these verses, then I'll jump into Van Campen's commentary. Under the heading of the glorious return in Matthew 24, starting at verse 29, we'll read 29, 30, and 31 from the NESB Bible here. But immediately after the tribulation of those days. What? Stop. That's one of the indicators right there. There's a sign. There's a chronology to that. After the tribulation of those days. Meaning, after Yeshua left, if the tribulation hadn't started yet, Remember, Yeshua is going to leave after he uh, is crucified, resurrected, and then he sends to heaven. After he left, if there was the what we might call um, Im- immediacy of his return, or um, uh, he can suddenly return at any moment without any sign, without any warning, then why would he even say immediately after the tribulation of those days? If the tribulation hadn't started yet, right? Yeshua ascended to heaven in the 30s. And yet, if we're going to say that the tribulation was in the 70s, like I talked about earlier, well, then there's still like about 40 years from the 30s to the 70s between Yeshua's ascending to heaven and the tribulation, what, what some people think is the tribulation, like, say, the, the preterists who believe that the tribulation took place in the 70s. Well, there's still 30 years between that. And yet, Yeshua says immediately after the tribulation of those days, and then he talks about these cosmic disturbances sun will be dark and moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken notice verse 30 and then there's a chronology marker there and then a chronology marker from the previous verse immediately after there's a chronology marker immediately after the tribulation that's chronology and then verse 30 the sign there's a sign that nagging stubborn sign that kind of disrupts the whole idea of yeshua's immediacy the yeshua's um the the, the idea that um he could come in any moment without any warning then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then, there's another chronology marker, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And then verse 31, and he will send forth his angels with the great angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his light from the four winds from the one end of the sky to the other. So right there in verse 30, he says, you'll see the You'll see the Son of Man coming. So this is a return. Whether this is the rapture or the second coming, I'm not going to debate that at the moment. There will be a time in our in our schedule and the topics when we're going to focus only on rapture and second coming, but we're not doing that right now. For now, what I'm simply bringing to your attention is, is this concept of if um, Yeshua could come back at any moment like the pre-tribbers teach, like, like we teach... Um, um, the immediate return or Yeshua could come back. There's no sign that needs to proceed. I wonder where they can, how they can sustain that argument given the chronology, uh, chronological aspect of Yeshua's words and the fact that the, the disciples ask, when will the sign of these things be? At the very least, one sign, but perhaps two. And then Yeshua proceeds to answer his question, their questions, giving the expectation that, yeah, there will be signs, right? Look at verse 30, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. So, at the very, even, even if you take the prayer position, Yeshua couldn't have been expected to return at any moment. So, um, in other words, from the time that he left in the 30s 
to the time that the temple was destroyed in the 70s or what preterists would consider to be the tribulation there were still 40 years there that it, it, if the tribulation hadn't shown up Yeshua couldn't return yet because he says in verse 29 immediately after the tribulation which that's a time marker if the tribulation hasn't taken yet place yet then Yeshua's second return can't take place yet at the very least we can say that the uh, second coming is contingent upon the tribulation happening at least from these two verses right am i am i reading something wrong here you guys in the comment section that are always uh, happy to tell me where i'm wrong uh, this is a great time tell me where i'm missing something here he says after the tribulation of those days then he describes a sign which we're going to call the sixth seal the sun moon and stars that cosmic disturbance and then he talks about the sign of the son of man appearing in the sky which i believe is the supernatural brilliance that we're going to be talking about tonight the glory of god the glory of yeshua the glory of the lord's appearing the glory that shines like the lightning flashes from the east to the west in fact if i back up two verses a few verses to verse 25 behold i've told you in advance right there's that whole i'm telling you in advance about certain things and then verse 26 so if they say to you behold he's in the wilderness do not go out or behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. And look at verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. There's kind of this supernatural brilliance that he's alluding to with this analogy of lightning and the flashing and the um, the quickness of, of the event, uh, the certainty of the kind of... Um, widespread aspect because lightning doesn't happen in an upper room where no one else sees it it's 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 a wide bright flash that covers a large area that if, of the sky that everyone can see etc etc so let's turn now to van campen and and um conclude um oops wow look at that let's try that again um let's turn to van campen now and conclude this section that we've been looking at this is in chapter uh 15 no chapter 16 let me just look real quick it's chapter 15 of his book the sign and we've already talked about the sign of the end of the age which is the cosmic lights that get turned out uh let me show you a few let me show you a um few slides here we've got the 70 week of daniel which correlates parallels with revelation 6 we've got the seven year slice of history that some bible teachers call it the seven year tribulation i don't use that term myself but nevertheless we've got seven years here that primarily are given over to the seals of the book of revelation on this large scroll that are on the outside yeshua is the only one worthy to open those seals to break them and to uh start the react chain reaction of these events that follow so uh, seals one through six antichrist number one war number two famine number three pestilence number four martyrdom number five and then look at number six cosmic disturbance that's the one we're going to be looking at tonight and then trumpet judgments which as my understanding of the trumpet judgments which begin the day of the lord you can see on the far right side of your screen that small square the trumpet judgments all contain the seven bowl judgments and the seven bowl judgments are all contained in the final seventh trumpet so which are all contained within the final seventh seal so that's the way that i have understood this passage i could be wrong but that's the the, the um 
the uh, eschatological timetable I'm going from. So let's take seal number six and open it up a little bit, expand it in this next seal slide, the convergence before the seventh seal. So we still have the same seven year slice of history that's broken up into three and a half, three and a half years on either side. And the uh, seal number six contains at least these occurrences or events according to this particular author's slide i didn't create this slide myself this was pulled from zion's hope marv rosenthal and his son uh their ministry there which i i've got a link to in my the descriptions of my video uh so you can look at that there the cosmic disturbances on the far left of side of your screen lower left uh, from that have already been recorded way back in the book of joel and other places earmark this sixth seal the cosmic disturbances are the sun moon and stars behaving in a way that's unnatural in other words that we can't just um pass it off as a as a uh some eclipses of the sun or moon eclipse or blood moons or uh, lunar triads or things that we've seen in the past or just mere passing comets or falling stars or or um the uh what are those media the, the leonid meteors or whatever the i don't, I don't think it'll be just that Otherwise, why would Yeshua say, look for these signs, right? I mean, if we've, if those things have been happening all through history, it seems like a very poor use of the word sign here um, in the context of signaling some great supernatural worldwide world-impacting event that's going to affect every man, woman, child on planet Earth. You know, missing the rapture is a big deal. It's the point I'm trying to make. And why would Yeshua relegate that to something as simple as, Oh, it's an eclipse. I hope you're going to catch it because as we know from the normal, natural aspect of eclipses and blood moons and meteors, showers and and falling stars and shooting stars and comets, you have to be in the right place in the world at the right time and even be awake to even catch those things. And it has to not be cloudy, right? Even if you're in the right place at the right time and it's cloudy, then you're stuck. You miss it. So, I mean... <laughs> What good is a sign that can be obscured by something as simple as an overcast day, right? You get my point. So Yeshua says there will be these disturbances in the heavens. And it seems to me that this is going to be a supernatural event. I mean, the sun's a pretty big star. so uh, And the moon's a pretty big uh, 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 satellite object. And stars themselves are pretty big. So to use those in a supernatural way would be no, no big deal for God. So we've got these cosmic disturbances, and then we've got the other things there that I don't need to talk about. The coming of Elijah, the day of his wrath, 144,000 being sealed, the great multitude in heaven, last trumpet, and then uh, finally the apostasy and man of sin uh, who uh, uh, is finally dealt with there in Second Thessalonians, which we'll get to in time. So that's kind of where we're going. Let's pick up the reading and finish this part tonight. Um Van Campen has a chapter in our chapter heading entitled Your Redemption Draweth Nigh. So we're talking about the sign of Yeshua's coming, the supernatural brilliance. And we pick up the reading here. As we've seen, the midpoint of the seventh week of Daniel will initiate a time of great suffering for the true church of Christ. The faithful church is promised protection within the sphere of danger, the great hour of testing that is to come on the whole earth. On the other hand, many within the compromising church will be unprepared for the events that occurred during the 70th week and will be thrown into great tribulation as Christ searches the minds and hearts of every person naming his name. Uh, references to Revelation chapter 2, a few verses there. So as we're seeing, when Yeshua returns and he signals not just the end of the age drawing near, but ultimately, of course, 
his rapture, as well as the establishment of his kingdom a little later on, the signs are going to evoke a response on the part of humanity. And depending on whether or not you are a member of God's family or you are a member of Satan's family, right? The seed of Satan, the offspring of Satan, which is the basically the 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 the, the mass of humanity who has chosen to rebel against God at this point in time in history. They have rejected the truth, the love of the truth, the gospel itself. They've rejected Jesus as the true Messiah. They have simply embraced the lie that is being um, pushed in the world today. They've embraced their own uh, what we might call um, secular humanism, their own philosophies, their own false religions. They've embraced their own hedonism. They're, they're um, awash in their own uh, lust. They are lost in their own anger, greed, and, and maliciousness, their own um, violence, their own murderous activity. Uh, the world is in, it's in bad shape. And yet, Yeshua is going to return to regather those who are part of the elect, those who are the elect, those who are the true children of God, and He knows us, and we know Him. And so, these signs are going to evoke different responses. The Bible talks about how that for the unbelieving world, these signs will evoke terror, great terror, because it will cause them to realize that God is about to pour out wrath and judgment. The day of the Lord is going to commence. And yet, for those of us who are children of the light, like Paul talks in the book of Thessalonians, we will look up with great expectation, great hope, great anticipation of our Lord uh, uh, gathering us unto himself. So, we have what we might call the blessed hope. So, Van Campen continues, those who are well taught will be forewarned and will have opportunity to be prepared as Antichrist tries to lure them out of hiding with false Christ, false prophets. Remember, uh, Christ, he says, specifically warns them not to move until they see, quote, the sign of the end of the age. So we're going back to this whole idea of immediacy again, is, or um, is Yeshua's return imminent, right? Imminent is the idea that he could return at any moment without any warning, which I keep hearing over and over again in many Christian circles. Yeshua's return is imminent. He could return at any moment, folks. You got to be ready. And I'm thinking, does the Bible teach imminency or does it teach expectancy? I think it's the latter. The latter. Now, don't get me wrong. Once the signs have run their course and there's nothing left to precede his return, then at that moment, there will be imminency. I believe that's true. There will come a time when there's nothing left to wait for except for Yeshua to actually return. And then it will be imminent. But at this point in history, in circa 2023, as far as I can tell, the tribulation hasn't happened yet. I'm not a preterist. In fact, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, hasn't even been revealed. He hasn't even hit the scene. Antichrist isn't on the scene. The little horn of Daniel isn't here yet. We've had partial fulfillments. We've had historical precedents, what we call shadows, right? Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. Um, you know, my uh, students and I were in the classroom earlier. We're talking about uh, Alexander the Great and the, the shaggy goat and the little horn or the ram and the shaggy goat of Daniel chapter 8 and things like that. But we've had certainly had historical events that have given us kind of dress rehearsals of what's to come in the future. But as far as I can tell, when I read Matthew chapter 25 from a face value rendering, owing to the understanding that when Yeshua talks about certain events happening before his return and he uh, singles out signs, 
then if to the degree that those events haven't happened and those signs haven't been witnessed by uh, humanity yet, well, then his return is not imminent, but yet it is expectant. So that's the, the perspective that I go with. Again, well, this is just a kind of a teaser. When we get to the topic of the rapture, let me just show you this one more time. If you look at topic number 10, which we're going to turn to next, possibly, I might insert, I might move everything down, shift everything down and do a little, maybe a one or two weeker on the Thessalonians letters from Paul and then move into rapture. But if you look at topic 10, 11, and 12, they all deal with rapture. So we'll talk more about this idea of what will precede the second coming of Christ when the time comes. But right now, we're just talking about these signs to kind of prep us, to um, prime us for those rapture discussions. So Christ specifically warns them not to move until when? Until they see the sign of the end of the age. So again, this from as far as i can understand unless i'm misreading this please someone in the comment section tell me where i'm wrong this seems to destroy imminency if yeshua told them don't make a move until you see the signs well then this tells me that i'm not if that yeshua is not going to return until after the events take place and after the signs indicate that he's returning I mean, again, going back to my analogy of the road trip, why post signs outside of City B that you're traveling to if the city appearing before you is imminent? If it could happen any moment unexpectedly without you even knowing, you're driving down the road and then poof, suddenly the city's in front of you. I mean, that, that doesn't, ha it doesn't work that way. Signs are posted far out so that you know that you're drawing near, that, so that you know your de the destination is drawing close. So you can get an idea of of schedule and and, and um, the approach and uh, you know how close are we we're 100 miles out okay let's keep driving how close are we we're 50 miles out it's like the little kid in the car you know are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet well read the signs son we're not there yet right the signs indicate that we're still got a little ways to go same thing with Yeshua right he's telling us disciples don't make a move until you see the signs certain things are gonna happen but expect my return so um, something that we probably aren't thinking of is that according to Van Campen, and I, I'm going to go with this um, theology as well, or this uh, uh, the perspective of prophecy, is that um, the sign of the end of the age and of his coming will occur in immediate succession, back to back. The two signs uh, triggered next to one another. That's why perhaps um, some Bible prophecy teachers have interpreted it as one sign, the cosmic disturbance of of the book of revelation seal number six that's just the sign of the end of the age and of his coming we could read it that way but um i take it that there's two van campen continues first the natural lights in the heavens will be extinguished that's what i take to be the first sign aka the sixth seal and then um van campen says the the natural lights in the heavens will be extinguished, accompanied by worldwide earthquakes. The whole world will know that the wrath of God is about to begin. And then he says, then the glory of the Lord will return just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, illuminating the pitch blackness with a brilliance that so that every eye will see him. So I take it there's be two signs. In other words, um, one sign is the supernatural darkness, and the other sign is the supernatural brilliance created by the glory of God, a.k.a. the glory of Yeshua. So let's finalize this chapter using Van Campen's words. He says, in summary, then, 
the signs given for the end of the age and for Christ's return will have different effects on different individuals, like I mentioned earlier. Those who have passed the test of Satan, who have worshipped Satan's king, i.e. the Antichrist and the false prophet who will be in existence at the time, will be gripped by incredible fear. Those who have chosen, by contrast, those who have chosen to be true to Christ, God's king, no matter how severe the persecution, will know incredible joy. And so, once, I mean, it's the same events befalling planet earth but people's reaction will be will indicate will be an indication of their true loyalty and their true spiritual state of being as to what's going on in their hearts maybe they don't know there are a lot of people who are uh simply blinded to any um perspective on their part they don't know whether they belong to the kingdom of satan or to the kingdom of god they're they're clueless although you know, one has to wonder, how could you not know that you belong to the kingdom of God? You know, the Holy Spirit inside you should be giving you those indications, uh, drawing you into relationship with God, etc., etc. But there are people who are deceived because they've been around Christian um, settings for so long. They played church for so long. They grew up in a Christian home. They went to a Christian school. They attended church every week. And yet they don't have a genuine relationship with Yeshua. So those, there, there's a good number of people like that in the church, the professing Christians, professing church, that will be fooled also because in their head they think they are Christian, but really in their heart they aren't. And then there's the world at large out there that just doesn't care about Jesus, doesn't care about God, doesn't go to church, doesn't read their Bible, doesn't uh, isn't interested in religion, just, um, you know, they're only interested in their own personal lives, their own personal pursuits and ambitions, etc., etc. So... Uh, finalizing the words of Van Campen in this chapter, he says, Christ's summary is recorded in the Gospel of Luke, says it best. Let's read Luke 21, which is another one of the Olivet Discourse passages that we could have studied, but just for time's sake, we didn't. We only picked on Matthew. Uh, Luke says in Luke 21, There will be signs in sun, moon, and stars, and upon the earth, dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Look at this description of the heart and the attitude of humanity. Men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken. This is why, this is one of the places where I I believe that we're not just talking about your everyday garden variety eclipse of the sun where it goes dark like a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse a blood moon a lunar triad etc or a a simple cosmic meteor shower or falling star shooting stars or something like that luke says the powers of the heaven will be shaken and if we were to correlate the English with the original Greek, we, we find that those, those verbs used, um, shaken and things like that, are very violent shakings, a very um, uh, uh, terrifying movement back and forth to where a person fears for their very life, like a, the boat is being tossed back and forth in a, in a violent sea, shaken, like um, um, you're trying to destroy the vessel, the thing that's being shaken about violently um, uh, to the point of almost being destroyed. The heavens will be shaken, right? Uh, other verses talk about how the, that um, uh, at some point the heavens are going to melt with fervent heat. I think that's uh, uh, the book of Peter, first and second, maybe second Peter there. So these are, these are <clears throat> excuse me, I don't believe these will just be mere uh, every, everyday um, uh, cosmic events. I think the God will um, make them supernatural for a reason. But then Luke continues, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
But when these things begin to take place, notice he starts addressing believers. This is Yeshua's words in, as recorded in Luke. But when these things take place, straighten up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Again, Jesus concludes with, when you see these things begin to take place, what are the things? The things that he already described earlier in the discourse, the sequence of events that play out in the um, the birth pangs and then the martyrdom and the death and the um, cosmic disturbances, all of these things preceding the sign of the end of the age and the sign of his coming. Meaning, again, my point is just being reiterated, that if Yeshua was going to be teaching imminency, where he's returning at any moment without any prior warning, then the inclusion of signs into his discourse is absolutely nonsensical. It just doesn't make any sense to include a sign or verbiage such as, when you see these things take place, why would we look for a chronology of of events and a sequence of all if his return was imminent? Right? Just ponder that for a while. Let's keep reading and, and conclude tonight. And we'll probably close a little early with this section. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English preacher of the 19th century, was never known to have been a preacher who spoke extensively concerning the end times. This is Van Campen. But what, these are Van Campen's words out of his book, The Sign. But what he did say showed a remarkable understanding concerning the relationship of the events developed in the past several chapters and summed up beautifully in the passage above. The following are excerpts from his sermon entitled, Joyful Anticipation of the Second Event. So let's read um, uh, the words of um, Spurgeon. I must... Uh, Sorry, I must leave this first point concerning the terrible time, and then we have a bracketed insert comment from Ben Campen, a time of fearful national trouble. Uh, And then Spurgeon continues, when this precept is to be carried out by just reminding you that when the Lord Jesus Christ shall come, the heavens shall tell us, and then we have this quote from the Olivet Discourses, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, or that could be the quote from the Joel passage, end quote. Now I come to the remarkable precept itself. And then we have another quote, and it's probably the Luke passage that we just read, Luke 21. Then look up and lift your heads, end quote. Spurgeon continues, let there be no looking down because the earth is quaking and shaking, but let there be a looking up because you are going to rise from it. No looking down because the graves are opening. Why should you look down, Spurgeon says. You will quit the grave, never more to die. Lift up your heads, uh, Spurgeon urges us. The time for you to hang your heads like bulrushes is already over and will certainly be over when the Lord is coming and your redemption draweth nigh. Or the word nigh there is the old English word for drawing near. Or near. Wherefore, Spurgeon concludes, look up and lift up your heads. Hallelujah is how um, Van Campen ends this particular chapter. And then there's some technical notes that I don't need to read about. So that's going to um, do it for this section on the um, eschatology, uh, in time, uh, uh, biblical study of end time events. What we're going to do next is, as I t- look at this, um, I'm praying about where to insert the Thessalonian um, uh, disc- discussion, whether I want to do it next week and turn that into topic 10, 
or just jump right into the rapture view. I haven't decided yet. I've got the material ready, but I'm praying about where to insert it. Should I put it right here with all of its in, right after the all of the discourse, or should I put it down below the chap, uh, topic 12 right after rapture view, views a final analysis, and then just before we start looking at mystery Babylon? I'm inclined to think that it's going to be next week. So, uh, but I haven't decided just yet. But we'll 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 I'll let you know when the time comes. But that'll do it for eschatology, a biblical study of end time events. These are the live internet studies brought to you week after week by myself, Ariel Ben Lyman Hanavi. I'm a torture at Congregation K. Latunavada Harvest in uh, Thornton, Colorado. Find us online at grafting.com and join us in, in person for our live Sabbath services. But if you're not able to join us, at least as I mentioned, join us online and um, you can see the link to the video right there on my screen as well. These uh, live internet studies are a part of my own um, Torah teaching ministry, which parks itself on the web at tetzetorah.com. That's T-E-T-Z-E-T-O-R-A-H.com. I'd love to have you join me at my own home uh, personal website there and uh, browse around and take a look through all the uh, commentaries that you see on my screen right now as well. I also have a YouTube channel that I'd be delighted if you uh, popped in and um, took a look around there as well. YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Tate Torah Ministries. If you do hit my website, uh, my YouTube channel there, be sure to uh, take notice that I update the uh, site essentially daily, uploading videos daily. Make sure then to subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, leave thumbs up for all the videos that you like. Um, leave me some comments and questions about things you have um, uh, your own thoughts on. And be sure to share the content with your other friends and family members in your social media circles, okay? Just some brief important uh, details. If you'd like to join us for our live studies, be sure to get access to Skype somehow. If you're on my website right now, um, uh, during the live study and you click on that blue Skype link, it'll actually open up Skype in your browser and you can just join us right there. And we hope you can join us live because we engage in a live Q&A after the study is over, opening up the microphones and it's exclusively to the um, uh, live studies um, uh, that we uh, enjoy engage in that live study uh, Q&A. But if not, um, take one last moment to scroll to the very bottom of my website where you can see some Hebrew writing and the black section down there and uh, prayerfully consider partnering with me to take the Torah around the world uh, in this particular format. You can click on the little yellow donate button and um, bless me that way with your uh, financial gifts and contributions and I'm so uh, blessed to be able to be in a place where I can receive uh, your generous gifts. Uh, thank you to all of those who have given in the past and are continuing to give. I'm so uh, thrilled to be on the receiving end of of your generosity and as i always say be blessed as you seek to be a blessing to others let's close in prayer real quick abba i bless your name and i am in a unique position where i'm able to take the thoughts that you are uh impressing on my mind heart and on my mind and share them with other people in this platform known as youtube and in this uh, platform known as itunes as well as on my website and my newsletters and i'm thankful and i'm humbled to be in a position where i can teach and so for that reason lord i'm all the more uh, aware of the accountability that i hold with sharing those thoughts in truth and trying to be accurate with what i'm sharing so i don't imagine that i know all the truth i don't have all the answers i am learning as i go and so i'm thankful that you are the teacher you are the one who authored your word they are your words and therefore if i want to know what they mean 
um, I need to look to you. I need to, to have a relationship with you. And so that's what I seek to do. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share with the students around the world in different places and in different times with these um, uh, these particular uh, uh, topics that we're studying. Continue to um, strengthen us and give us a sense of the urgency of the matter, of um, the end times in which we live. Help us to be about our Father's business and to um, not lose sight of the fact that we've got this blessed hope of Yeshua's return, and yet we have this harvest in front of us of souls, of, of multitudes of people in the valley of decision who have not yet made a decision for Yeshua. They don't know you as their Lord and Savior. We are your hands. We are your feet. We are the ones that have been commissioned to take this good news into all the world. So help us to be bold in our witness and to look for opportunities to share the gospel with those around us. And we will be careful to give you the praise and the glory. Bashem Yeshua. Amen. Oh,